Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowes. On today's show, I'm joined by a special guest, Dave Foster. Dave is the founder and CEO of the 1031 Investor. He's a degreed accountant and serial real estate investor who's a qualified intermediary and consultant for tax saving strategies such as the 1031 Exchange and the Section 121 Homestead Exception. Dave started fixing and flipping in the 90s and realized that about 40% of his profits were going directly to the IRS. Today, Dave will break down how to use a 1031 exchange in layman's terms. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here with you. You know, as I was listening to your introduction, I realized something. I'm not just a serial real estate investor. I'm pretty sure that there's a touch of ADD in there <laughs> and uh, a short attention span. I've, I've really enjoyed my ride through real estate. It's been a lot of fun. They often go hand hand in hand, but uh, but yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the, today's topic. I think a lot of listeners are real estate investors. Every real estate investor has heard of a 1031 exchange, but I think not too many really understand how what they are, how they operate, and if they're even available for someone to use. So looking forward to it. Maybe you can just start off and just give us like a quick definition. What is a 1031 exchange? The 1031 exchange is part of the tax code that deals with real estate transaction. And I'm actually there's actually another one called, and you mentioned it in your introduction, the 121. Both of these have to do with the sale of real estate. And here's what's crazy for everybody who is out there wanting to maximize return on their work, whatever it is. If you make cookies for Keebler, or you build computers, or you are in a tax business or financial advisory business, if you're buying stocks, those things all have something in common. When you sell them, your goods, your product, you're paying tax. Real estate has been the foundation of American growth for over a 100 years. And in 1920, the IRS formalized these parts of the code that allow real estate investors to keep real estate moving, to keep the velocity moving by buying and selling new real estate without having to pay tax in the middle. It was originally designed for farmers. As we were coming out of the uh, agrarian and starting to really build our nation's commercial agricultural business and industry, Many of these young farmers could not sell their farms and buy new bigger farms because they couldn't afford to pay the tax and have enough money left over to buy the new farm. So that was bad for them. But who else was it bad for? Any new upcoming farmer wanting to break into the business and buy a small farm. So that's why the IRS instituted this and allows real estate investors, when they sell real estate, to keep the tax dollars to use for themselves. That's the greatest gift in the tax code because you can keep that money working for yourself. My introduction to it comes from a mistake that I made 30 years ago. I bought a duplex in Denver, Colorado, fixed it up, sold it, had a $30,000 tax bill on it. Ouch. But what I didn't realize until not too long ago was I started doing some math, Mark, and I said, holy cow, if I would have had the use of that $30,000 making 10% a year for 30 years, I'd have $100,000 extra in my bank account just 
from that transaction. That's the power of the 1031 exchange and what it lets you do. So when we discovered that, we realized, you know, real estate's for us was the way to go. And we started doing these for ourselves. We started doing them for others. And over the course of 10 years, moving from our portfolio from Colorado to Connecticut to Florida, we actually ended up being able to buy a 53-foot sailboat for cash, tax-free cash, and live on it and raise our four children for 10 years, living off the investments from tax-deferred dollars in other real estate. So I've had a chance to live it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I guess, like you mentioned, the, the main reason why people use this is if someone invests in a real estate property, they sell it. If it's worth more than what they paid for it, they're going to owe capital gains tax on it. By utilizing a 1031 exchange, they can avoid paying that capital gains tax or on the, the property they sell and then just kind of roll over the entire amount into the, the new property. Right. That capital gains tax stays with you. And you get to invest it and you get to make the money. So it's kind of a form of compounding interest, right? The interest comes in, you don't have to pay tax on it. Then you make money off the interest. Then you make money off the money you made on the interest. And the next thing you know, you're 30 years down the road and you've got a bunch of tax deferred money that's working for you. Now, the other big shoe that drops on real estate investors is this thing called depreciation. And depreciation is a game of pretend where the IRS lets you pretend that your real estate loses value every year you own it. So that after 27 years, they will let you, using tax write-offs, act as if your real estate is worth zero. So you get that tax write-off every year. Well, the problem is that when you sell that real estate, does it really go down? No, real estate goes up. But guess what? The IRS will make you pay back all of that tax write-off that you took of depreciation as well. And the 1031 exchange also lets you defer that. So you get to defer the capital gain and you get to defer the depreciation recapture and keep that money to work for yourself. And I think one of the thing, important things to note is, you, you know, use the word defer a couple of times. And yes, if you wind up at the end selling your real estate, yes, and you don't, not able to 1031 it, yeah, there are taxes that you'll have to pay. But one of the benefits of real estate and other assets is something called a step up in basis when someone passes away. So if you do have this real estate, when you do pass away, uh, who inherits it will actually get a step up in basis. And, and again, having to pay that tax is, is, you know, can ultimately be avoided even in the, in the end. So multiple reasons why, you know, some having a strategy like this may make sense. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we talk about that as being the fourth strategy of the 1031 investor is to die because you will, your heirs will get the property at the stepped up basis. The tax is not paid by you or your estate. The tax is not paid by them. The tax literally goes away. And that's such an incredible opportunity to start building that legacy wealth for your family that we see so many families enjoying right now. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be patient and you've got to play the game. How about if I give you a quiz? There's three other D's of 1031 investing. The last one being die, which we're not happy about, but we're all going that way anyways. I'll give you the first one and we'll see if you can figure out the other two. The first one is defer. And the reason why it's defer is because that's what starts the whole process. You know, people will say, and I'm sure you've heard them say this as well, Mark, that, well, you just won't go ahead and pay the tax because you're going to have to pay it someday. Not with a step up in basis, but also any day that you keep the tax deferred. 
by doing a 1031 exchange is a day that you get the money. So whether it's two days or whether it's 35 years, you can benefit yourself every one of those days by doing 1031 exchanges. So why not start it out by deferring? Even if you don't end up going the whole way, you could get 10 years out of it. Now, what do you think the second D might be? I'll go defer again. You want a hint? <laughs> it's defer also. As long as the 1031 exchange is available to you, you can react to and adjust to whatever stage the real estate market cycle is in. Because the 1031 exchange allows you to 1031 from anywhere in the country to anywhere in the country. You can exchange any type of investment real estate for any other type of investment real estate. You can exchange any number of real estate into any other numbers of real estate. As long as you're purchasing at least as much as you sell and using all the proceeds, then you'll continue to defer all tax. So think about those bunch of folks up in Palo Alto that sold all their Bay Area properties, massively appreciated property prices, right? And they followed this guy named Elon down to Austin, where land and real estate was dirt cheap. They sold at the peak, and they went to a different market where they could buy cheap. Real estate cycles develop at different times and in different places. And you can use that 1031 exchange to go into any place you want. We do an awful lot right next door to you. There is those brownstones, all of those properties that were in families for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And what's unique about them all is they've had such a swing, haven't they? They go up huge in value. They come back down. Families hang on. At some point in time, it's time to get rid of it to invest in maybe multifamily or something where you can make more money. Whatever the real estate cycle is telling you to. You can use the 1031 and keep that tax working for you. Okay, you've probably seen a trend, Mark, but what do you think the third D is? I'll go defer again. Yes, you got it. Here's why. In the same manner that the 1031 exchange can be used to accommodate wherever you're at in the real estate cycle, it can be used to accommodate wherever you're at in your life cycle as a real estate investor. Now, I don't know about you, but when I started on my real estate investing career, I had way more energy than I had money. So how did I use that to my advantage? I tore down a lot of walls. I fixed a lot of plumbing. I am painted a lot because that's what I could do because I didn't have the money to do it. So we did add value add projects everywhere. Over time, there's just a natural transition, isn't there? To where we have more money than energy, maybe. And now it's time to go buy bigger projects where we don't have to manage them. And that's where the move into multifamily can be huge or into triple net commercial properties where you go from active to passive. And the 1031 exchange lets you do that. You and I were talking about Delaware statutory trusts, which are part of your toolkit that you offer to investors. Those Delaware statutory trusts can be handled with a 1031 exchange and they do the exact same thing. They move you from an active position into a passive position. Now, as people start to get closer to retirement, someone may be an investor in uh, in Brooklyn and they want to retire in Florida. Well, maybe ahead of time, they will sell their northern New Jersey or New York portfolio and invest in Sarasota. When they retire, guess what? Their entire portfolio awaits them. And they did it without having to pay tax on the transition. And I think you you mentioned, I mean, three of the, of the four Ds were defer. 
And I think people do ask that question of like, well, if I'm going to have to pay it at some point, why does it even matter? And I've seen different analysis on the power of deferral. And it doesn't matter if it's real estate or any other type of asset. If you're able to defer paying tax on it, there is numerical mathematical benefit. You will simply have more money at the end of it, even if you're paying tax at the end of it, just from that ability to defer. So there is definitely a definitive benefit to being able to defer. Yeah, this is where I love real estate and why I chose it was because any other industry, any other business I could start, there was no off ramp that kept the tax at bay for that long to get the real benefit of compounding it. So that's why we chose real estate. Let's, I know that the, they're, they're moving parts. So there are many, a couple parts in a 1031 exchange. Can you walk us through an example from when someone decides, okay, I want to sell this investment portfolio or property that they have to what actually happens to execute on the 1031? Yeah. You've got to remember that this is a process where the IRS lost a massive court case in 1996. So now everyday investors can do these. So they were not happy. So they had to let us do it. They did not have to make it easy. So there are some very specific regulations and some of them seem kind of punitive. So the first key to remember is that your 1031 is going to start with the sale of your old property. You cannot touch the proceeds. You cannot do it yourself. You have to use the services of an unrelated party called the qualified intermediary, whose only job is to process the 1031 exchange for you. So they obviously have to be involved prior to the closing of your sale. So it starts with the sale. Now, from that date of closing, you have 45 more days simply to identify your potential replacements. They don't have to be under contract, but at the end of day 45, you are stuck with what's on that list and can't change it. So I usually tell people, you know what? Think of that 45 days as the, oh my gosh, I got to get it under contract period. And as a matter of fact, you can't even go into contract on your new property before your old property closes. You simply have to close the sale before closing the purchase. So that 45 days is really critical. You have a total of 180 days to complete your purchase. That usually doesn't feel so bad, but it's the 45 that'll get you. Another key to the tip 31 is that whoever is the taxpayer or the deed holder for the old property has to be the taxpayer or the deed holder for the new property. So you can't sell from like an S corporation that may own a piece of real estate and then go buy new real estate in your name. So that can take some advanced planning, particularly when you're wanting to maximize your liability protections using LLCs and that kind of thing. The final requirement that gets everybody, Mark, is the reinvestment requirements. And what the IRS says is that if you want to defer all tax, you got to do two things. First, you have to purchase at least as much as your net sale. Now, that's your contract price minus closing costs and commissions. So say you sold the property for 320000 and there were 20000 in closing costs and commissions. In order to defer tax, you have to purchase at least 300000 in real estate. Now, let's say there was a $100,000 mortgage on that. So you have 200000 in cash that goes into your intermediary's account. You have to use all two hundred of that to purchase 300000 in real estate. Now, everybody wants to say, but wait a minute, I put $20,000 down on that property or I spent $50,000 fixing it up. That's not taxable, is it? And my answer is you're absolutely right. It's not. But when you're doing the 1031 exchange, here's the nasty cram that the IRS sends you. They say that if you take $20,000 out from that sale, you are not taking your original capital. 
Now, wait a minute. How can that be? I started with 20000 They simply say, no. If you're going to take money out in a 1031, you're always taking profit first. So in general, and this is perhaps the big drawback to a 1031 exchange, is people say, but I've always got to keep growing bigger or staying the same. When do I get some money? When do I get to enjoy? And the answer is really easy. It's the additional cash flow. But even more important, if you want a big chunk of money, go ahead and purchase new property and then do a cash out refinance. The cash out refinance is not a taxable event. And our investors will use that quite a lot. If the equity market is speaking to them, well, they could sell a piece of real estate, but then they got to pay the tax. Or they could do the 1031 exchange and then do a refinance of it and take that cash and go put it into equities. They keep their tax deferral on the 1031, but they also got to invest in what they wanted. Those requirements all have to be met. And is there a either pass or fail on the 1031, or is it possible that part of the transaction will be tax, you know, you can be, it will be tax 31 eligible and part you may owe taxes on? So for the first five requirements, the requirement that it be investment real estate, the 45 180 days, the taxpayer or title holder requirement, and the requirement to use the qualified intermediary, those are pass fail. The only one where it is possible to do a partial exchange is on the reinvestment. If you wanted to take $20,000 out, you can do that. You would only pay tax on the $20,000. And then whatever other profit would still be sheltered. I know you mentioned maybe having a, a selling out of some Brooklyn brownstones, buying something in, in Sarasota. So I think location, there's some flexibility. What about types of properties? What's eligible for a 1031 exchange and what's not? Any type of real estate, regardless of what it is, can be exchanged for any other type. So you can go from residential to commercial, single family to multifamily, raw land to industrial, doesn't matter a bit. As long as it is real estate that you purchased with the intent of holding for productive use. Now that implies, without giving a specific holding period, that implies that your intent has been to hold the property. So most people feel comfortable at any hold period more than a year. But because there's not a statutory holding period, there might be situations where it's possible for you to sell a property that you've owned less than a year, as long as you can demonstrate that your intent when you bought it was to hold it. And then I guess the reverse is probably true too. So let's say I'm doing a flip where I don't intend to hold, but it, it, it the project lasts over a year. That's something that wouldn't be eligible because I didn't intend to. That is correct because your intent was not to hold it. That's exactly right. So really, what kind of property doesn't qualify? Fix and flips. If you're a builder, new construction. One of my favorite clients of all time sold a property in the Smoky Mountains after 90 days. And I challenged him on it because I I was like to make sure people are thinking, right? They're not just trying to get away with something because they can't. And he said, Dave, I had to honor this contract for the renter in my purchase agreement, in my, in my closing. And it was a long-term contract. I said, well, okay, that's great, Nate, but you're still selling it. So how are you going to demonstrate that your intent was to hold it? He said, oh, no problem. We got the ring photographs of the bear. There was a bear that had taken up residence at the trash can of the house. And the tenant no longer felt comfortable living there and taking the trash out. So they vacated the lease. And he didn't want to mess with the bear. So he said, I'm going to sell it to a 1031. And literally his accountant Put those photographs in his file if he's ever questioned. What about mixed uh, use property? So it's pop, what's become popular now is people will buy a property, and uh, you know a lot of times they'll 
do it, let's say, beach house that they rent out for, let's say, 30 weeks, but they spend, let's say, five weeks themselves as a vacation home. Is something like that, or is there a hard exclusion that if you use this for personal use, it's no longer eligible for a 1031? Yeah, no, it's not at all like a 401k or IRA where any personal benefit prohibits it. There is actually a safe harbor given in the IRS statutes where as long as you have rented the property for two weeks out of two consecutive years, as long as you have kept your usage to either the lesser of 14 days a year or 10% of the number of days it's rented, but not counting any days you stay there while you're working on it, the IRS guarantees that your intent is fine. So I always tell people the easy way to do this, limit your use, but do use it. And secondly, anytime you go down, take a paintbrush and a can of paint and go spruce it up. And that's one of those third D kind of investments, isn't it? Where we're starting to become more attuned to lifestyle rather than actual income. And so a vacation property where you get to rent it and get some use, oh my gosh, that's awesome, Mark. Yeah. And there's another type of property that's very similar to this called like a house hack. So if we're doing this with all of my sons and our younger relatives, we are working with them to buy their first property. And their first property is always a duplex. They live in one side, they rent the other side. Sure. Now, the side that they're renting is investment real estate. So when they sell that down the road, they can do a 1031 exchange for that part of the property and defer all the tax. But you know what the other half of that duplex is? Their primary residence. So if they've lived in it for two out of the five years prior to selling it, then they get section 121 and they get the first, if they're married, $500,000 in profit tax-free. So by being willing to start with a duplex, they learn how to be a landlord. They set themselves up to get a chunk of money tax-free and to defer all the rest of the profit in a 1031. Now, let's say they sold that duplex. We use real simple numbers because I'm going I'm to count this bad at math. But let's say they sold it for 200000 That's 100000 per side. The primary residence side's all tax-free. On the other side, how much did they sell? 100000 so what do they need to buy? A hundred thousand in investment real estate. Well, what if they bought another duplex for two hundred thousand dollars? The one half of the duplex satisfies the reinvestment requirements, doesn't it? And they could use the other half in any way they want. And so they can take advantage of all kinds of things. So there's a lot of ways in which mixed use properties can really choose your returns. And I guess it's just kind of building the, that momentum at that time. And that's how you get started and start how it starts snowballing after. Yeah, my fondest hope is that they figure out what we've done for them before it's time to decide if they have to pull the plug or not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're just about out of time, Dave. I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. You gave some great info on 1031 exchanges and how they can be utilized. How best can someone reach out to you, find out more information about how you help people with 1031s? You know, I know that this statute many times feels like such a hoodoo voodoo kind of thing. So we created our entire presence based on education and helping people to learn to understand them before they do them. So we created the1031investor.com. It's got a 47-part YouTube channel, calculators on site, opportunities to talk to us directly, as well as set appointments for you and your accountants or legal advisors. And it's 
the1031investor.com. Perfect. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Dave, thanks again. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Don't forget to follow the Agent of Wealth on the platform you listen from and leave us a review of the show. We're currently accepting new clients. And if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one consultation with our advisors, please do so at bowdasfinancial.com backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.